and welcome to the AFC Dons cast. It's Graham Mackay here with your Dons and Scottish football roundup back slightly earlier than planned. How are you holding up into week three of our lockdown? And I hope you're all keeping safe and well. I know it's been hard going for some of you, but please stick with it. In this edition of the Dons cast, we hear from Dave Cormack and Derek McInnes on the action they've taken with the staff and players to get the club through these difficult times. It's an excellent listen and just shows how much good leadership we have at our club. If at any time, now is the time to support our club. So if you can, and everyone's circumstances are different at the moment, renew your season ticket or take out an Aberdeen membership or even buy something from the club shop. It will all help, but only do it if you can afford to. We'll also follow up on all the good stuff the Community Trust has been doing over the past few weeks, including messages of support from some well-kent voices in football. And of course, the latest from the football world. There were a couple of meetings last week with UEFA and the SPFL. We'll find out if that changes anything. Join me on the AFC Donscast Lockdown Edition number two on Sunday, the 5th of April. Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray. And I'd like to give a big shout out to Aberdeen Football Club and their community trust for all the amazing work they're doing currently for the North East in delivering food parcels to those who really need them. Now, you can help in a couple of ways. First of all, consider donating to CFIME, that's Community Food Initiatives North East. Or how about this idea? The money that you would normally set aside for football, consider donating to the Aberdeen FC Community Trust's Just Giving page. Aberdeen, throughout this global pandemic, still standing free. Now we've all stopped social contact due to coronavirus, there are lots of things we can still do safely, like phone and video calls with friends and family, and staying active indoors. You can also exercise outside once a day, two metres away from others. Older people or those concerned can search Age Scotland online. For those most affected by coronavirus, there's a wide range of organisations that can support you and your family with the latest information and practical advice at readyscotland.org. Please protect yourself and others. Protect Scotland. On your phone, on your tablet and online, this is the AFC Don's Cast News. Let's start with the important stuff. And yesterday, Aberdeen Football Club announced a further £2 million of new investment and news on wage deferrals to help cover the cash flow problems caused by Scottish football's shutdown due to the coronavirus outbreak. The manager, staff and players have agreed to defer between 10 and 30% of their wages for four months. Higher paid non-football staff are also delaying their pay with all deferrals. This will save a total of £1.1 million and help towards closing a £5 million gap in cash flow. Dave Cormack outlined the plans in an interview with Red Match Day editor Mal Panton. Okay, Dave, good to see you. First of all, how how, how are you doing? How, how are you and the family coping? Well, Mal, uh, thanks for asking, and I uh, hope you guys are well. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's kind of surreal. Um, we are uh, isolating um, our youngest daughter um, lives around the corner, and she's a nurse. And so she has Fiona and I isolating just now. Fiona has a bit of a weakened immune system. And so we're just not taking any chances. Um, my highlight of the day, apart from talking to people like you on a video conference, is driving down to Starbucks, uh, the drive through and getting a Starbucks coffee and, um, and a bagel. But uh, no, everybody, uh, everybody here seems to be uh, in lockdown. There's hardly any traffic at all. 
And um, in fact, the police here where we are in Atlanta have actually been stopping people doing non-emergency um, deliveries, for example. But uh, yeah, we're doing fine, thanks. Just a little bit surreal and missing the football. We'll come on to the, the financial plan in a minute, but just uh, first of all, I mean, just remind all the fans that the most important thing at the moment is to, to stay inside and stay safe. And that, that That is the most important thing at the, the moment, isn't it? Oh, certainly, Mal. And, um, you know, as we're, we're, we're seeing where people um, isolate, they stay indoors, um, it will help curb how long this goes on. It's interesting to see as well that in, um, in, the, in, in Asia, that some of those countries that began to relax the rules um, of getting together are now seeing uh, it come back again. And so um, it's just very, very clear that the most important thing is for, for our fans and our community to, to do what they can so we can get through this. And I, I, have, to, I have to say that the, the club and the community trust working together and with the support of a lot of people, including the fans, the nations, uh, our volunteers are doing an incredible job um, of um, helping people. And I, I had one example just earlier this morning of a family that hadn't, hadn't, hadn't eaten anything all day, and it was the evening, and, and we brought um, a delivery to them. And I think, the, I think um, we are delivering from Maastricht to Macduff, and it's just... Uh, fantastic to see you know in in times like this um you see people um really step up as communities you know and um but listen uh, everybody just needs to stay safe and healthy the other thing is we've got 20 people in a call center between trust uh, folks and um club people that are um calling aiming to call 12,000 people over the next few weeks uh, we got to a thousand so far, and um, and and if somebody needs to be lifted up or somebody needs some help, there's an email address as well. If you go to the club site uh, or call in, then there's an email address there to be able to. Um, uh, if someone needs some help, for example, we've had some people in England that have got elderly family, uh, Don's fans in Aberdeen, and they're on their own. And so, um, don't be shy. Now's the time to. To kind of open up and um, and ask for help, and I'm just delighted we got 20 people in the call centre making all these calls, and it's the right thing to do, Mal. Yeah, and you've been doing some calling yourself, Dave, have you? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I've made a few calls, and um, um, in fact, one of them I made um, um, the 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 um, <laughs> the fan themselves says, "I mind you." Going to Gothenburg, um, we all went out, or we certainly did the day before, flew over there, and um, and it just shows you how what a bit of a village, you know, Aberdeen is. But you know, I, I get a lot out of it myself. It's really nice to chat to people. You know, I love talking to my wife. You know, but when you're on your own in the house, twenty four seven almost, right? It's really good to get on Skype or the video conference and talk to people. So. Um, been a very very busy week this week a long week for everybody at the club but uh, next week hopefully frees up so I can begin to make more calls as well but I, I enjoy them and it's just great to, to hear people talk about their favorite player their memories 
of certain games, you know. A lot of work's obviously been going on behind the scenes. Um, you came out, you were very transparent. You came out and said that there's a £5 million gap in the, the cash flow. Um, so can you maybe just give us a wee bit of detail of what, what's the, the plan that the, the club have put in place? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. And, um, you know, we came out, I think, a week past Monday um, with, a, with a statement to try and be transparent. And um, it's just been amazing how everybody's kind of rallied to this. Um, obviously, it's a very serious situation. Um, our assumptions are that we're back playing football sometime in August, um, hopefully no later than early September. And so how long is a piece of string? How long does this go on for, right? Um, but that's our assumption that's there. We stated that we had one and a half million in the bank in the statement and um, um, delighted. Um, I mean, I will just say this, that uh, between um, uh, Derek and his team, um, and um, guys like Rob Wicks and Kevin McIver, Stephen Gunn, and I'm probably missing out some other people there as well. But the leadership team at the club across the board, on the field, off the field, have been incredible. And, you know, I've heard stories this week, Mal, of, um, you know, um, people in my position at other clubs having to deal directly with players themselves. And you know what? Derek has been incredible. He has managed this whole thing with Stephen Gunn and the PFA and the players. And what I have to say is, is that, and even the off the field staff as well with the town halls that we all did with them. I mean, everybody has been appreciative of the transparency and how we've gone about this, I believe. Um, and again, it's, it's, it's a deferment, it's not a pay cut. And we most certainly have um, made sure those uh, employees that are on a lesser scale of a salary are looked after and not touched, um, and that this, um, I believe anyway, overall is is a soft landing, and it keeps everybody employed, and so that was one of the most important things for for us as a board, was keeping everybody employed and um, and uh, making the defer making it a deferment rather than than a cut. So all of that is to say um, that has delivered 1.1 million of savings. Over the next four months, we did talk before um, last week about um, us run our running costs being about 1.2 million a month. Um, that takes it down now over the next four months to about 950,000 per month. It's still a sizable chunk um, in and of itself. Um, um, my investor group, um, including myself, um, we've made a, a commitment to two million um, as well, and. Um, Obviously, um, we've been heartened by the fans who um, have uh, been renewing their season tickets, um, which is helpful, very helpful, and we'll continue to drive on that now and appreciate that some people can't do it just now for obvious reasons, but for those that are willing and able, it's very much uh, appreciated. We've had some of our um, seasonal diners and corporate um, supporters, in some cases, um, not just pay us in advance for next season, but for two seasons. And and so that kind of volunteering mile of, of support for the club, you know, is heartening. And the key thing to, for this is, is that, that we come through this uh, as strongly um, as a club and, and as a community. So um, we've got that in place now. It gives us a platform now to, to go forward. 
Just, I mean, just on the managing the players, I mean, they deserve an awful lot of credit, don't they, Dave, the way they've gone about this, the way that they've handled the situation. And I think just fantastic the way that the, you know, everybody involved in the Aberdeen family, you know, the time of need, everybody's come together, haven't they? Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, um, I will say this, that um, we've got, we've got a great, well, we've got great staff across the board. You know, I like to call us team members. Everybody's fantastic. But if you take the, the, the actual team itself, the football team of players, uh, Derek has got a great dressing room there. We've got some fantastic people there that, you know, from Joe, club captain, all the way through that wanted to do the right thing. And, you know, for us as a family club, it was really important for everybody to collaborate on this and come to this decision today, which we've done. And, um, and, and, and obviously it's, it's really appreciated as well. Obviously, Mal, a lot of nervousness around what we were going to do and, and would this be layoffs and would it be salary cuts? Um, and so I think that, um, you know, in fact, I, I did say the other day on the town halls yesterday that I wish we could have um, got back to, to the, the, the staff earlier. But, um, you know, the fact that there's, uh, we're planning no cuts and it's a deferment, I think has been not just well received, but, but actually many of our um, uh, employees have been willing to come forward and say that we're willing to, to help as well. So uh, just a great, um, it's just an example of us being a good family club, Mal, that we um, sorted this out internally and everybody's pleased with the outcome, given the situation we're in. You see, Dave, about the supporters, we absolutely appreciate that not everybody's in a position at the moment to help. We have to look after the families. That's the most important thing. Um, but for, for those who are able to help and buy season tickets, I mean, they really will be making a difference at the moment, won't they? And, they, you know, we won't forget about this. We will reward them in, in the future as well. Yeah, look, um, you know, I never thought I'd see this in my lifetime, right? If you take the bigger picture, and none of us probably did, bigger picture... Yeah, look, looking at it, um, the world wasn't ready for this uh, pandemic. And I think hopefully, hopefully, hopefully the good that comes out of this is that um, going forward from here, whether it's ventilators or other things, that we're ready for this if this kind of comes around uh, again. And, and, and they do come around um, every so often. But I really think it's important for, um, for, for us to recognise those that can do it, the fans that are stepping up just now and buying their season tickets when, in fact, you know, we're not sure will we start at the beginning of August, middle of August, end of August. Um, so it's it's very much appreciated. Look, at the end of the day, I'm a fan myself, and it's not my club, it's not the board's club, it's the fans' club, right? It's our club, right? right? And we all do our bit, right? And so from that perspective there, what we're hoping, listen, we're really working on cups half full. We're now really working on some initiatives. We'd already announced, Mal, that we want to move to a membership-based club, one umbrella, so that people aren't Aberdeen and a season ticket holder. In many cases, both. Half of our season ticket holders are Aberdeen members. But this umbrella relationship we announced right before this happened, and it's kind of been forgotten. But as part of what we're going through, not just with the Red Shed, but with the things we will do when we get back uh, playing, I mean, boy, I, mean, I just cannot wait. <laughs> I hate flying over the Atlantic, but I cannot wait to get back over to see some games 
And I believe we will pack Pataudry out. And I will have to open, I hope, the upper RDS um, when we get back. But our goal is to, to put some um, put, put stuff together for families. Yes, for the red shed type, uh, red shed type of guys, etc. When we get back playing, um, you know, we'll have gone through a lot of trauma at, at the end of the day, Mal, because th- there are people dying as a result of this. But, you know, um, we have to go through what we go, go through. And um, when we do get back playing football, um, again, this, 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 this um, um, first few games and hopefully beyond that should be something special. And we are going to be recognizing our season ticket holders and our different membership group people at the beginning of the season. And we'll hold that for just now and announce it in the next few weeks. You mentioned the community side of things, um, different mind fans. I mean, 10% is going to, from every season ticket bought, is going direct to the community trust. And, you know, just a word on Liz and her team, they're doing a fantastic job. They've got this fantastic network, aren't they? Because they've been in, you know, they've set up this network within the community. So any money raised, it really is going to good causes on the ground, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And so let me be clear, though, we're not taking 10% of the season ticket money and giving it to the trust. It's actually matching the directors. We've all agreed to match it. So if we bring in two million in season ticket sales, that goes to the club. And what we as directors have agreed to do is to match 10% of that. So we will separate to that, give 200,000 to the trust. And the trust needs it because they too have a lack of income just now because you know the 4G pitches, they can't rent out at Cormac Park, you know, and they can't be doing some of the um, uh, programs that they're doing just now as well for, for obvious reasons. And um, uh, we've also uh, put 100,000 of that up immediately to, to help the trust, you know, as well. But uh, Liz and the team, you know, um, I've got a session with Liz and with Stephen Sweeney and Robbie Hederman. You know, it's not the trust in the club. It's one organization. And um, seeing the team come together to put for this call center, for example, Mal, is just kind of heartening. And listen, um, Liz is a cup half full kind of person. Um, and, um, and she did accuse me the other day of being relentless, uh, even being in the States on us driving forward and all the campaigns we're doing within the club and within the trust. But uh, no, the trust people um, are amazing. One other thing I want to mention as well is we did announce Aberdeen Junior free. We want every under 12 child to be able to be an Aberdeen Junior member. We're over a thousand just now, and that may have gotten forgotten a wee bit. But but we want all of those uh, younger folks, um, for example, in the primary schools, we want them to be able to sign up for Aberdeen Junior. We're going to include things like access to two free games during the league season. And there's lots of other things we're going to do as well. So um, let's just make sure that um, this is any parents are listening there or younger kids that, that you sign up for Aberdeen A Junior if you're 12 and under. Dave, when you became chairman, you must have thought that you'd have some challenges, but I don't think anybody could have predicted this, could they? I mean, you know, the club celebrates its birthday next week, uh, 118 years, but I, I mean... To put it in some kind of scale, I mean, this is probably as big a challenge off the field as the club's ever faced, isn't it? Well, 
Yeah, Stuart and I kind of laugh about that now and again. I, I said to him, you give me a hospital pass there, Stuart, you know, <laughs> to use the rugby term um, or football term. But but no, listen, um, it's it's um, we've got a really, really strong board of directors and, and we work, all work well together, you know. I mean, I probably talk to um, most of the directors, certainly just now, every other day to, to kind of catch up. But look, um, it is what it is. Um, we thought that the challenge of getting the money, and we've ended up about 14 million almost for Cormac Park, getting to fund that and be debt free was a major challenge. And then, of course, we're beginning to take a deep breath, as you may know, from October, 90 days, and we'll take a look at the new stadium situation. And then this comes up. But, you know, um, I've learned a long time ago, you know, I wish I know I knew when I was. Uh, 31, what well, I know now at 61, um, but this is time for calm, uh, being calm and collected, sleeping on things, um, you know, talking to people, getting feedback, other opinions uh, before kind of making decisions. And I, listen, we are a very, very well-run club. And let me just say, Mal, you know, three years or three seasons, three, sorry, three summer transfer windows we've had multiple players out six seven eight players every year right we set about last season to sort that out and we've sorted it out and of course um this summer there aren't any players that are um uh, really um or only a few players out uh, a contract you know um but we see that as a benefit you know in the sense that when we come back uh, after this we'll have a strong squad of players in place that are able to kind uh, of help us uh, drive forward. Whereas, you know, and, and it is tough that many other clubs um, are likely to be in a position of, with multiplayer players being out of contract, having significantly different squads, uh, unfortunately to them. But from our perspective, you know, we set out to do that. We also set out as well, Mal, to spend more money than we're bringing in. But it was a deliberate decision to invest on the basis of driving the club forward. But, you know, um, the good news is, is that we didn't, to use the term speculate, to accumulate. It was all done in a plan. And what we have done, obviously being a very well-run club and that plans, you know, um, I think we are in better shape than an awful lot more uh, clubs and, and we're blessed to be in that position to be able to withstand this um, situation that we are in. And um, so, yeah, 90 days as, as chairman are, are just over and it's uh, it's been quite uh, quite eventful. Yeah, just finally, I mean, you see the football will come back and we'll all celebrate it. I've got a special programme organised already. So, you know, we'll do a lot around the first game, but I think Hopefully, when we do come back, well, we will come back stronger, won't we, for this experience? I mean, the way everybody's pulled together has just been so encouraging. And as I said, the, the club will come back stronger. Yes, I mean, look, at the end of the day, football is really, um, you know, is secondary to everything that, that, that the world has gone through just now. But by in saying that, football's an important part of many people's lives, you know? And in fact, um, sometimes when you don't have something, you miss it the most. And right now, you know, we are missing, um, we are missing um, football and the other things that people like to do. 
I think there'll be an appreciation in society generally for um, how fortunate we, we kind of are having been through this. I mean, in the States here, they're talking about 200,000 deaths in the next few months. Um, and, um, you know, and um, I mean, the, the good news to a degree is that the curve might um, kind of plateau in the next month or so, but there's a lag between that and all the trauma. And so, look, we're going to go through, and in Scotland as well, UK, it's going to be a lot of um, heartache this next period of time. But look, um, at the end of the day, um, it's about seeing these things through, learning from experiences um, uh, from that. But, you know, again, back to the football, and um, I think we, we, we see this through. I mean, you and I will tell the, uh, will tell the folks listening into this that, I keep telling you that um, let's get more pictures in the match program and don't make it so many pages. Um, um, you, <laughs> you can take the boy out of Aberdeen, Aberdeen out of the boy. My, my view there is let's save on some printing costs, right, Mal? And here, here we go. Um, we're going to probably go from a 60-page to a 120-page A4-sized special edition program for the first one. So um, I'm sure you'll be relishing that as well, right? Absolutely. Listen, Dave, really appreciate your time as always. Okay? Keep, keep up the good work, and I'm sure we'll touch, touch base again soon. Well, um, stay safe, everybody. Please, um, please stay safe. Please uh, stay indoors, and hashtag still standing free from Atlanta. Keep listening until the end of the podcast. We'll also bring you the extended sports sound interviews from the weekend with Dave and Derek. Elsewhere, UEFA has lifted the ban on showing games starting at 3pm on a Saturday live on TV in Scotland. The move comes after a request from the Scottish Football Association amid the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. It's seen as the first move towards restarting some domestic competitions in the UK behind closed doors. The blackout has long been in place during the Scottish season to protect attendances. Hello from Barcelona and must there be any doubt about it, the first sunny day for about three weeks where it's been pissing down here onto more important matters. When you support a club, any club, but my club's Aberdeen, what you want, let's be honest, is big victories against the enemy and trophies. In the meantime, particularly when there's a pandemic crisis, what you want to see is your club acting with initiative, with honour, making you proud. And that's what this message is about. I adore the way that Aberdeen FC and Aberdeen FC Community Trust have reacted to this pandemic. Just to give you a couple of examples in case you didn't know, and there are other clubs around the UK and Spain that are doing similarly good things, but Aberdeen have reached out, so 900 phone calls made to people identified as potentially being socially vulnerable, lonely, in trouble with their mental health. 900 calls made to them over the last few days by people at the club, be it directors, staff, or football players, a goal of 12,000 phone calls, uh, still standing free is the hashtag, 12,000 similar phone calls from the club to people they think might be in need over the coming month of April. And a community trust with the Committee for Food Initiatives in the North East, Seafine, they've made sure that a 1,000 people, uh, thanks to nearly 300 deliveries, have food that they might not otherwise 
have, not just fans of Aberdeen, but people that fans of Aberdeen have said might be in need during this period of isolation, loneliness, difficulty, particularly for the old and the vulnerable. All I want to say is that Aberdeen Football Club, Chairman Dave Cormack, the players, and particularly uh, the Community Trust, I'm proud of you. I'm really happy that now more than ever, we're still standing free. And as for the people in charge of youth development, uh, Gav, Liam, Simi, that homework programme that you've sent out, no excuses to the youngsters. Twitter is peppered with videos of young people improving their skills, working hard at their ability, because there's no excuse for not training, even though we're in lockdown. Still standing free. Come on, you Reds. The Belgian Pro League is set to become the first major European league to be cancelled because of coronavirus. Club Bruges will be declared champions with the current league table set to stand. There was one match of the regular season remaining when the league was suspended, with playoffs due to decide the top positions. The league's board of directors made the decision and have made a recommendation to the General Assembly. It will be made official on the 15th of April with a working group to decide relegation and promotion issues. Club Bruges are 15 points clear of second place Ghent at the top of the table. The decision by the Belgian FA has posed a problem for UEFA, which prompted them to issue a letter to all 55 member associations, threatening that by ending competitions early, it could forfeit their Champions League and Europa League places. It's understood that the SPFL are ready to call UEFA's bluff by declaring Celtic as Premiership champions in Scotland. The league are pursuing plans to call the season as soon as their legal advice allows. The move would also relegate Hearts. However, they are also anxious to avoid extending the current domestic campaign towards the autumn as it would impact on their new five-year sponsorship agreement with Sky. It's understood BT Sport, who will exit Scottish football at the end of this season, would be due a financial clawback if the Premiership season is ended with eight games still to play. However, the Sky deal is more lucrative and there are fears the contract could not be fulfilled if the new season didn't formally kick off until October or November. Hi, it's Cammy Chris Kamara. I just wanted to give a big shout out to Aberdeen Football Club Community TV Trust for the amazing work that they are doing for the North East by delivering food parcels to those who need it most. Everyone can help by either donating food to Seafine or giving maybe a little bit of money that they would normally spend to go and watch football and it would be donated into the Aberdeen FC Community Trust. Just giving page. Aberdeen still standing free. On Friday evening, we were expected to play our final league game at Pataudry before the split against Hearts, but instead the club arranged an online watch party for our 7-2 home win against Motherwell from February 2017. Ahead of the game on Still Standing Free Day on Friday, Aberdeen FC Community Trust Chief Exec Liz Bowie thanked the Red Army for raising over £10,000 for our community outreach campaign in partnership with Seafine. Just popped outside into the garden because I'm so excited to say a huge thank you because we have reached a total of £10,000 on our Just Giving site. So on behalf of everybody at Aberdeen Football Club, AFC Community Trust and Seafine, thank you for everything that you're doing to support us in these uh, food deliveries. So far we've reached over a thousand people, that's 600 children and their family. So once again, thank you so much and hashtag still standing free. Liz also gave us an update on the Community Phone Calls initiative, the AFC Board Pledge for Season Tickets and the generosity of the Red Army. 
Right, Liz, we'll just start off then. Uh, the news that over the last week, um, five ha- 500 Aberdeen fans have been contacted either by a player, a former player, or by a AFC representative. Just how important have these calls been to make to those in the... Uh... Well, it's been hugely important. I think if you're sitting at home and you're isolated, to have a phone call is one thing, but then to have a phone call from a player, a former player that you've always looked up to, um, from Dave Cormack or one of the team, I think it just breaks up the day. But to have those special moments, it's really important at this time. And as well, the news that the club are going to um, extend their reach throughout April and May with the target of contacting 12,000 fans. It's certainly ambitious, but uh, again, as you say, it's just that phone call could be really appreciated by, by um, a fan. Well, that's it. And uh, yeah, 12,000 is a big number, but we're up for the challenge. We're going to give it our best shot to get to everybody that we can. And uh, yeah, it's just really important to make those connections. I think uh, at this time, one of the good things that could come out of this crisis is about us all pulling together and having those human interactions. It's more complicated now, but a phone call is a simple way just to say hello and check in on everyone. And as you mentioned there, um, obviously with the phone calls, it's just a simple way to say hi. And for most of the 500 fans who have been contacted, it has probably just been a, maybe a, a five-minute phone call saying hi, how are you? And it's been people appreciated it breaking up the day. But there has been a case of where we, as part of the outreach program, we did actually get in contact with a fan who was in isolation. We were able to sort her out with some food packages. Yeah, I mean, we've had a number of things happen, but that one was a highlight. It was a lady in Duff, and she was really struggling. She couldn't get food, and we managed to sort that out and get food to her. So, yeah, social interaction, but it's also an opportunity where we can step in, we will, and and do what we can to help. And just moving on slightly, Liz, um, there's news as well today that the AFC board are going to donate 10% of the total revenues of the season tickets sold throughout April. Just how vital will that be for the work that the trust does? Well, it's massively important. And we are just thrilled to bits at the commitment that the directors are showing by this. Um, I mean, they support the work of the trust anyway, but to have this financial support will be just absolutely life-changing for us. It'll help us now with the work that has to be done, but more importantly, it's going to put us on a really sound footing to help people after this crisis is over. One in four people are likely to have some form of mental illness following or mental health issue following this period of isolation. And the trust is well set up to serve that anyway. We have a programme called Mindset that we've rolled out to some schools in the city and shire, but we want to roll it out across the region after this um, and hopefully beyond nationally and internationally as well. So this programme will help with those mental health issues. And along with all the good work that the Trust has been doing has been the um, Still Standing Free campaign. And of course, there's been the Just Given page um, that was set up. Over £8,000 has been donated already by the Red Army um, as well. Just what's that money gone to and how much of a difference has it, has it made? So first and foremost, a massive thank you to the Red Army and to supporters across Aberdeen, Aberdeenshire and Further afield, we've had donations from Australia and America, so a huge thank you. That money will immediately go to help us with this food delivery programme, working in conjunction with CFINE, our partner. Um, so 
What I would say is this crisis is going to last for a period of time and fundraising campaigns usually start with a bit of a bang and then they can plateau and I just want to encourage people to dig deep because this crisis is going to happen for a bit of time, a foreseeable bit of time, so we need your help throughout that. But as I said at the, be at the beginning, thank you. Thank you sincerely. Liz, thank you very much for your time in this ever so slightly unique interview setup. That thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, this is Stephen Glass, former Aberdeen player and currently head coach of Atlanta United 2. I just want to give a shout out to the people at Aberdeen FC Community Trust for the great work that you're doing across the Northeast at the moment, helping vulnerable people at a really difficult time. Anything you can do to play your part would be a huge help. Aberdeen. Still standing free. As we face uncertain times, we are certain of this. We are a country that looks out for each other. Older people, those at risk, the self-isolating. They're our family, our friends, our neighbours, the folk that live upstairs. Shopping, prescriptions, taking out bins. Lending a hand means everyone wins. Even a wee phone for a natter lets people know they matter. Through a million acts of kindness, we'll show that we are Scotland. If you are fit and well, find out how to help safely or volunteer at readyscotland.org. So that's how it stands this week. No AFC Donscast this Tuesday, but we'll be back again a week on Tuesday, the 14th of April, post what would have been our cap semi-final at Hamden on the 12th of April against Celtic. A quick reminder, you can hear the Sports Sound interviews with Dave and Derek straight after the end of the AFC Donscast, so keep listening for that. If you're looking for something else to listen to through the week, head on over to the Here We Go AFC podcast. They have a new paid-for version, and their first of their paid-to-listen podcasts is with Ian Jess, with all proceeds going to Aberdeen for All. And online, Ali Begg has his latest blog post all about Graham Shinney on Beg to Differ. He discusses joining the club, failure in Europe, cat finals, and his fondest moments. You'll find that on alibegg.com. We'll be updating the Inverness Reds website throughout the week and you can follow all the latest Dons news on our social media on Twitter or Facebook. Just search for us using Inverness Reds. So, until the 14th, stay safe, look after one another and stand free. For more Dons news every day, head online to invernessreds.co.uk. That's all for this week from the AFC Donscast. Why not download and listen to the Here We Go AFC podcast? Discussion, reaction, interviews and special guests made by Aberdeen fans for Aberdeen fans. Tune in now for the latest episode. Sports Sound, delighted to say we're joined on the line from the States now by the Aberdeen chairman, Dave Cormack, the Dons have just uh, announced a statement outlining their plans to, well, try to ease the financial burden on the club right now. And um, Dave spoke about a £5 million uh, gap in cash flow just a week or two ago. Um, they've gone some way to try to alleviate that. So um, thanks for joining us, Dave, first of all. Um, in terms of, of that statement then, um, there will be salary deferrals, but only for the higher paid members of staff? Hi, Richard. Yes, um, absolutely. I think one of the things that we wanted to do uh, when we made the announcement um, a couple of weeks ago was we got together, uh, formulated a plan, and last weekend 
um, on the football side with, with Derek McInnes and Stephen Gunn, our director of football operations, and Kevin McKeever, our finance director, we kind of set about how we go about this. So it's all been a very um, well-orchestrated and organised conversation, set of conversations. And last weekend, we kind of put our plans together as to what we thought we should do. We got board approval. And this week, we've really just been executing that plan. But I have to say that everybody has been completely supportive of what we've done. Everybody, in part- and in particular, Derek, the players, etc. I wanted to make sure that those people, the kind of lesser earners, whether they be the academy players or otherwise, um, the staff. I mean, we've all got, um, every club has got some incredible people that work at their clubs. Many of them could earn more elsewhere, but they love their clubs and they want to do what's necessary. So we really, for want of a better term, wanted to protect you know, the smaller guy and come up with a plan that made sense. And um, I will say this as well, Richard, is, is that um, I've heard of other chairmen dealing directly with agents and players. Derek has 100% dealt with, uh, with Joe, our captain, and the players, which has been a massive burden taken off of me. And Derek won't thank me for saying this, but uh, he himself had made a significant contribution to this deferment. Not only that, it's just actually been, um, you know, in these crisis situations, it's actually been a process we've gone through that couldn't have gone, in my mind, any, any better. Right, we're going to be chatting with Derek a little bit later, as you know. Um, as you say, that's taken the weight off to an extent. Um, in terms of the, the numbers then, so it's more than half the club staff are not affected. Um, the, the balance of employees, it says, between... 10 and 30% deferrals plus some bonuses. Um, were there any dissenting voices for the players at all or were they 100% behind this? No, uh, listen, I think that you know, we did town halls with the regular staff, if you like, off the field staff on Thursday um, and and Derek and the guys have worked with the players and, and no, I think everyone has come to this and are, not, uh, excuse me, are on board um, with the, the plan we've come up with. Right, you and your investment group also having to put more money in a further £2 million? Yes. Um, again, you know, obviously I went back to um, basically the friends of mine that are here or that are part of the investment group and obviously Tom Crotty is on the board as well. And um, listen, um, we're not looking for people to get violins out for us, but everybody, everybody is going through tremendous challenges. I've got exactly the same thing going on with a software business in the States. You know, the economy has just ground to a halt. But we felt that that was kind of the right thing to do at this stage is to immediately kind of make that available. And um, and again, the assumption we've made with all of this is, Richard, as we discussed earlier, is that we're back playing football hopefully sometime by September and, and that's what we've kind of kind of planned for Right so as it stands right now and I know you've also had an early push in terms of season tickets and, and also the Aberdeen uh, excuse me Aberdeen membership um, is this has this plugged that £5 million gap between now and September? Well obviously there are a whole number of kind of income streams that are there right that we need to, to look at some of which you've already discussed earlier in terms of distribution of fees but clearly, season ticket sales um, for next season are important. But we got to remember as well that Aberdeen were just see- was just seeing the green shoots of recovery in the oil industry from 2014, and boom, uh, we get kicked again, right? And so for us, 
Uh, we are really thankful to our fan base who have been incredible for those that are willing and able at this stage to support us. We are actually ahead of season ticket sales versus this time last year, both in terms of number of season tickets and the, the money that we've taken in. We've also had, for example, some of our seasonal corporate people say, listen, I'm going to send my money in for the next two seasons for my box. And so a whole load of things that, that are kind of going on that's well been well planned and execute from, executed from our side. But we certainly see that this gives us the ability to see those through that period. Right, if it goes beyond September into October, November, potentially the end of the year, as um, has still been talked about, what happens then? Well, I think that that's really a question for, for all the clubs as well. I mean, we, we, we think we're a well-run club, you know, no debt, uh, we cash in the bank. And I just think that uh, that's one of the things that as a group of clubs we need to start working on is what if, for example... Um, there's no games going to be played in front of crowds till towards the end of the year. And what I can tell you is, is that having talked to a number of owners of major sports franchises in the States, I mean, privately they are planning through for no sports played in front of crowds until the end of, um, until the end of this year. Now, that all, all depends on how... So, so, sorry, everything behind closed doors between now and the end of 2020? Yes. And so that's what they're privately telling me is that that may be a possibility. Because think about it this way. Here, here's, here's, here's the rationale, Richard. So we've just hit an economic, economic shutdown, right? I mean, in the States, we've gone from full unemployment, absolutely full unemployment, to the worst unemployment crash since the Great Depression. Now, most of these people are on furlough, which is probably a good thing, which means when the economy comes back, they're employed. But the other thing is this. If you think about Asia right now, they relaxed some of the isolation laws and the, and, the, and, the, and the virus has come back. So one of the things that they're bearing in mind is, is this. Let's say we're able to relax these um, isolation in June or July. Well, can you go and be playing games the next day in front of 10, 20, 30, 70,000 people? Probably not likely. And so what's likely to happen is, is that is there a vaccine, first of all? And if there is a vaccine, um, how readily available is it? Or is there you know, a prescription drug, that we, a current prescription drug, that will actually deal with this? So I just think, without panicking, it's really important for us to take a deep breath, sit back and say, what if? So, what so, if so, games... Yeah, just, just we, clearly we are facing the same. Our government, the authorities are facing the same challenges as those in the States. So if it's a live issue there and a potential there, you see the chance that this could happen here in Scotland as well in terms of Scottish football. Well, I think it's something that we have to, to look at. We can't just be blinkered and look at the next few months and go, hey, we're starting football in, in June or July, right? And so what that means is, is that how do we deal with that? Number one... We must absolutely make sure in anything we do that we look after our players and their health. So first and foremost, even behind closed doors, is it safe for the players to play? And if it's safe for the players to play, we need to come up with a plan. My view anyway, and I chatted to Ron Gordon yesterday at Hibs, who's down in Miami. My view really is, and I think Ron says, is that we need to pull something together so that all of the games can be shown live. I mean, for example, and I'm just talking out loud here, maybe the season tickets that we all buy or our fans are buying right now, right, 
would allow them to see the games live as a regular crowd or live on television. And so I'm probably getting ahead of myself here, um, but I just think it's important for us to plan through what might be. Right. Um, I know Tom English um, is keen to get a few thoughts from you. Um, Tom, in particular, um, I mean, what David said just there, I mean, clearly there, there's, there are potentially huge ramifications right across all the clubs, right across Scottish football, if that is to be the case. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we don't know. I mean, Dave's right. We don't know when this is when football is coming back. UEFA um, setting this deadline, which is which is ludicrous. Not a deadline, but a, a, an objective which is ludicrous. That that football domestically can be finished in the first week of August, like carried on and then finished by the first week of August. It's just, it's just. I think it's, I think it's mad to to, to be looking at it that way. Um. But what I was, it's a couple of things for, for Dave. Dave, the, the, where, are we at, where are Aberdeen at with the new stadium, given all of this financial uncertainty? <laughs> that's a, that's a great that, question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Well, sorry. <laughs> what new stadium? Yeah, Dave was kind of hoping that this might just go away in the midst of all this. Yeah, yeah. So, so obviously, uh, from a few weeks ago, um, you know, we said after uh, I became chairman, um, as a board, including Stuart as well, we would needed the 90 to 120 days to map out where we went. And um, we were kind of just about there. So basically, we put everything on hold because this has overtaken us. I mean, most of us certainly are you know, working 12, 15 hours a day, every day of the week to get on top of this. So obviously, these... Um, conversations around that and any conversations with the architects in London etc are basically going on the back burner Tom yeah it's on the back I mean not, listen that's 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 no great surprise I mean is it is there any time scale on it or is it just literally parked forget about it for now well really when you look at the, the whole question in and of itself Tom you know we've got um, I mean, where we're at just now is is that to build a 20,000 seater stadium Right, it's probably going to be the best part of fifty million or more, mm-hmm. right? And so, I mean, right now that money is just not available um, in and of itself. But listen, what we have to do is go through this process ourselves and take a view as to what is it we want as a stadium, what do the fans want, you know? Whether it's an eighteen thousand seat stadium or twenty thousand seat stadium, you know, would we want to spend six million more to make it twenty? Um, 20,000 20, when in fact we might we might struggle to get that extra 6 million and how long would the payback be you know yeah. it might be 100 or 200 years based on you know average crowds so lots of things to think about but we are committed to the new stadium and we just have to get through this absolute crisis especially Tom if it goes on you know to later in the year and, and take a look up then yeah. I just I mean in terms of the, the, the deferrals uh, Dave, I mean, obviously, obviously, different clubs are doing different things. Uh, given the, the given the unprecedented squeeze on finances, can can you go back at some point and 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 repay all your staff? I mean, how do you do that? Given money is so incredibly tight. Well, you know, we think we've planned prudently and budgeted prudently. And our commitment to the players is to pay them back by a certain point of time uh, into next year. And, and, and they've, uh, they've agreed to that and all, all the staff. And so 
I mean, Tom, if you can give me a plan that says we'll be playing football on this day or that day, then, you know, we can kind of answer these questions. And yeah. But look, we're, we've got a good, I've got a good group of investors. I'm committed, absolutely committed, because I'm a fan at heart to, to the football club. And we will do everything that we can do to maintain our integrity as a club of being around uh, since it was formed in 1903. Can I just, just clarify? Just, sorry, sorry yeah. just want to clarify one thing because there's no mention of it in the statement. Um, are, are you utilising the furlough scheme in any way at all, the football club, Dave? Yeah, well, I, I know you've got Derek coming on. So let me tell you two things on the furlough. First of all, um, we have 20 people between the community trust and the club, 20 people in a call centre that's remote. Our IT guys have done an amazing job. In one week, everyone has got the software um, to use the phones and our contact management system at the club remotely. And so we've now set a call centre up with 20 people because we think it's really important for us to be able to respond to our community. And so we could have followed all these people and claimed the 2500 a month. Our call made a decision not to follow those 20 people because we think our outreach to the community is, is vital. And, and to put it in context with football, Paul Clark, who's our scout in Dundee, Paul got hit by um, the virus and he was in ICU and put in an induced coma. And thank heavens he's come out of it. And he's a fit guy. Yeah. And so that kind of brings it home. But other things, Richard, for us, um, we are out with delivery vans sponsored by some of our uh, partners, delivery vans. We're going from, for those people at No Aberdeen, we're going from Maastricht to McDuff, and we're delivering food. And we're delivering food to people, for example, that hadn't had food in two days who can't get out of their houses. We had a, a gentleman who's 75, long-term season ticket holder, who we called from the call centre. He's at home on his own, no family in Aberdeen, and he's no way of getting out to get food. So there's a tremendous need and a demand in Aberdeen and that for me and, and, and us anyway as a board is more important than furloughing people. Secondly the players on furlough um, and Derek will, can talk to you about that all the advice we've taken from the top sports lawyers that we deal with suggests that what we're doing which is the players are, have a training regime they train at 10.30 every morning they have their vests the data gets uploaded and the sports get science guys um, review it and not only that the players are calling fans as well and by any definition we've seen from our lawyers you can't furlough somebody like that now if we get the situation where there's no football until July or August then I'm sure Derek will want to give those guys a bit of a let's call it a summer holiday at home hmm. um, but again that's where we are on the furlough Right, so, so, so there are clear concerns there then. Sorry, Tom, I, I possibly yeah, no, pick up on the same, the same issue, but the, the, because other clubs obviously are talking about using the furlough scheme, um, from what you're being told, then the, the players and um, the clubs simply don't qualify under those circumstances. So I missed that last bit. You don't you, qualify, you, you just don't feel, yeah, you don't feel you qualify for the furlough under those circumstances no. in terms of the players. No, and these, that situation there, they don't qualify. That's all reading about from our lawyers anyway. Right, well, I mean, that's clearly very interesting, given what one or two other clubs are doing. Dave, just over the, the more general um, view of things right now, various things going on, obviously, in terms of UEFA and the Scottish FA, the SBFL. Um, 
What's your reading of uh, where the various governing bodies are right now? Um, and are you hopeful that there will be some concrete news for the fans, for everyone, that come out potentially after these <coughs> meetings next midweek? Well, boy, you know as much as I know, Richard, um, and I have a lot of sympathy for Neil and the SPFL in the sense that, you know, over the last, what, 48 hours, we've had three conflicting stories from different executives at UEFA. And as you touched on earlier in the programme, this is 100% down to UEFA and the big five leagues really concerned about compensation. And so, you know, like Belgium, we're a smaller league. Um, and um, uh, But, you know, at the end of the day, we, we, we all, all the clubs want to play the season to a finish. But the reality is, if we don't see ourselves playing, for example, until July, August time, particularly with the Euros being pushed to next summer, it's just going to be impossible at some stage to play the games. And so I would hope personally that some decision um, is concluded one way or the other, whether UEFA will support it or not uh, during this month, because the fans need some clarity for next season too. Right, so um, if it isn't going to be possible, and it's looking less and less likely that it will be football played, would it be your preferred option to simply call the season um, as it is now? Well, on the on the assumption, right, that we cannot tell when games are going to be played, and we get into later this month, say early May, and and listen, when we're going through that period, it's a bit like the the the, the um, best description I've had of this pandemic is from the governor at New York, who basically said, "The most said, common reaction to um, it's like a three hundred mile wide hurricane, like category five, that's going at three miles an hour that hasn't quite hit land yet." And, and, and so we've got a lot to go through with society in this next few weeks. But look, if it's impossible to get games played, you know, for example, late July into August, we, I don't think we've any choice but to call the league. Right. Um, Willie Miller, you've been listening in uh, with clear with clear interest, uh, giving your links to the club, of course. Um, you have anything you wish to bring up with Dave before we let him go? Well, I think, first of all, sympathy, Dave, to be perfectly honest, you know, taking over the club at this stage. Um, and being hit by that hurricane that you've just spoken about, but delighted to hear the the plans that are in place. And I think that it's the responsibility of every club now, uh, every director at every club, to try and have that vision going forward. I suppose, you, you know, the, the, the kind of a stunning statement that you made there was this, this furlough scheme that yeah. you reckon because the players have still got to kind of do their job, i.e. keep themselves fit, that uh, clubs won't be able to call on that. I think that will come as a, a major shock to a number of clubs that seem to be going down that road. So I think, you know, these directors will have to take that under consideration as well uh, because they'll have to they'll have to go by the letter of the law. And I, I, I know myself uh, being in a, a small business that the letter of the law is that you can't work uh, during furlough. Uh, so, you know, I didn't realise that, so that's news to me. I think it's news to everybody on, on the programme, um, and it's quite stunning news. But I suppose, you, you know, my view on it is how how do we actually manage to get uh, uh, fans back into the, the the stadiums to watch football when this virus is on the go? I mean, we just do not know when football is going to come back to this country or, or, or to the world, to be perfectly honest, because if the virus does raise its head again, once we get it under control, 
um, then that is just an impossible task. So I think you're absolutely correct in taking a long view towards the end of the year. Yes, we can be hopeful that uh, it can be sorted before then, but the likelihood is it probably won't, and some kind of a plan has got to be put in place uh, for uh, football in Scotland so that when we do come out of it, we can recognise football in Scotland. And I would also like to say, um, you, you know, a big vote of thanks to you and the investors because being in Aberdeen and being on the board when the club was in debt, then if this had happened 10 years ago, then, you know, it was just no way out of it. So at least, you know, the the, 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 the finances that you've got, the investors that you've got, the work that you're doing in the community that I'm, you know, well aware of up here as well, makes the picture for Aberdeen Football Club as bright as it possibly can be in these dark days. Yeah, well, you know, um, Willie, you know, the, the folk at the club have been there many, many years, um, more than I've been there, the time you've been there, Willie. By the way, I, I, do you know that today um, was the <laughs> 1972, it was the only time you played against Aberdeen when you were on loan to Peter Head? Well, you, you they, know, they've missed I, the I, very start of the programme. You did, but I didn't oh, sorry, actually I know. I, I didn't know that, but uh, yeah, I know. I've, I'll need to chastise myself later on for doing something as bismal as playing against my club. But I can't remember yeah. it, but that, that doesn't come as a surprise. None at all. Um, Just really, to, to answer your question, um, you know, and look, we are kind of where we are. We're united as, as a board. Every club has gone through this. I think more than anything, um, we're going through the societal issue just now. This tsunami is about to hit us, and hopefully it's as gentle as it can be. But here in the States, you know, the projected deaths over the next few months, and we're on the same track as the in the UK as we are in the States here, mm-hmm. and they're projecting 150 to 250,000 deaths in the next three, four months. And, you know, it's a big country, but that's kind of devastating. And to put it in perspective... The, there's normally about 50,000 people die each year for the flu here. That's way more than that. So all of that to say, Willie, is is that we want to be at the heart of our community and we are blessed enough to be able to make those investments in our community trust, right, who are in all the schools across the region and involved, you know, um, need our support as well. So we'll continue to do the right thing and worry about football and the fans getting back in when it's time to do that. Dave, we really appreciate your time um, this afternoon. Stay safe, uh, keep well, and I've no doubt we'll chat again shortly. Dave Cormack, the Aberdeen chairman. I, I, you know, I'm in the line live now by the Aberdeen boss, Derek McInnes, um, and we heard from Dave Cormack a little bit earlier. Derek, who was, um, I think, grateful of your involvement. It's meant that he hasn't had to deal with the players. It must be a pretty difficult time, I would think. Uh, you know, this is not what you generally want to be doing as a football manager. No, uh, good afternoon, lads. Uh, no, I think for us it was a case of um, the, the first approach from Dave. You know, it was no real surprise when uh, when the, the position was made clear where the club's finances are. There was no real surprise that the conversation of the Ferals, um was going to be happening. So it was getting being prepared for that. And I think what the manner in which Dave came forward with it, it was. Um, he approached us, it was not, he never dictated to us, it was an appeal really about where the club is, nothing hidden. Um, and obviously that type of approach uh, I think helps because 
if somebody tells you to take money off you, yeah. um, your natural reaction is to say no, you're no, and, and fight against it. You know, so but we all understand where we are. Um, this is challenging times um, for for everyone at the minute, and uh, we feel it's our duty, or it's incumbent of us all at the club who work at the club to do our bit. So once we had kind of reached where we needed to get to, and the whole um, the whole kind of um, way that Dave wanted to do this was fairness to everyone because it's the same percentage right across the board um, from for the non-footballing staff the, the players the staff so we felt it was it was more the the, the symbolic or the gesture really the, the need to help the togetherness shown from the investors from Tom Crotty and Dave and um, put more money in um, so everybody playing their part to help get the club through this and hopefully um, we can get back playing football sooner rather than later and uh, that this is all the work we need to do for the foreseeable future and uh, come through this. Did, did it help, I think, um, do you think, um, coming from you rather than someone on the board, uh, the fact that you've clearly got uh, such a close relationship with that group of players? Yeah, I think initially that call had to come from me. I FaceTimed the boys on Monday, went through it all, took the day and, and explained everything where we are. Um, you know, we're working for a, a great club, we're working for good people, so nobody's trying to be tricky here. And obviously the players know who we work for and um, and what we're trying to do, so it was no real surprise when we, um, when I mentioned it to the players about what, what was being asked of us. Um, but you know, every single player wanted to help, was wanted to be supportive. And my staff are experienced staff who who realise the, the seriousness of the situation we're in. So, you know, I spoke to them first, um, and and uh, got um, full support from them, uh, which is important. So once we went through it, all, because I've I've been the other side. I've been when I was at Dundee United. Yeah. Um, you know, that was a, a, a mismanagement really of the finances by the board, and then giving out contracts. And then, after a year, all of a sudden, oh, by the way, see that contract, we can't really pay you that, we need you to take cuts. And uh, But at the same time, we're still trying to sign players. Um, so this is a, this is the club trying to react to a, a unique situation, a, a, a crisis, really, and try to manage our way through it. So I think um, I wanted to be the one that spoke to players. Um, I, I couldn't have a better bunch of boys, to be honest. You know, Joe's my kid captain but I've got good senior players there but every single player, uh, young and old really, uh, um, uh, wanted to, to do their bit and I think when you see the non-football staff, all our colleagues at Petaudry, um complete support from everyone is, uh, it shows you um, it's, a, it's the way it should be done and uh, we're grateful that the supporters are doing their bit, the GoFundMe page, the, the money they're trying to raise, the, the increase in support uh, season ticket sales everybody doing what they can uh, financially uh, to help. Do you think actually, um, in a kind of almost a perverse way, this actually brings the community closer together and that, I don't mean just just in Aberdeen, but, but beyond Aberdeen and, and perhaps even beyond Scottish football, that there there might be ultimately some, some good in that respect to come out of this? Yeah, I think so. I think it's the, way, the world we're living in at the minute and it's kind of having to deal with the situation. I think it's time for an agreement, not arguing. I think it's time for a wee bit of um, sacrifice and a wee bit to consider others. You know, we're in an industry where we, we all love live for the game. It, it brings us so much and it's been so good to us. And you know, we're having to deal with um, trying to be weaned off of football at the minute and that's tough for us all. But, you know, 
we've got players who are heroes to supporters. Um, but the real heroes at Marrow clearly are the NHS workers, the people who are keeping the country going. They're the ones who, we're sitting watching this for the comfort of our home, but we don't actually need to go and deal with it. And we're talking here about football, which seems really churlish when you see what's actually happening, but football's why we're all in the game. It's, it's our love and our passion, and we're having to deal with the, the effects of this on our game and on our club. And that's how I feel that we've had good leadership throughout this. I think Dave is really um, working all the hours. I mean, he's got a five-hour time difference back there <laughs> in Atlanta, but you would never know it. Nope. I'm telling you, you would never know it. He's, um, he's the first phone call in the day. He's the last phone call at night. Um, he's really um, working hard to keep I think him, Stephen Gunn, um, our football operations uh, director, Kevin McIver, the finance director, they, you know, together with Dave, they've, they've been absolutely brilliant through this. And um, I'm just delighted that you know, everybody's seen the importance of doing the right thing. Dave also touched on the, the furlough scheme and, and his reading it, and obviously the legal advice he's been given. Um, and he said that you could perhaps give us a, a clearer insight into it in terms of it, it, basically, Davidson, it, it doesn't apply as far as he's concerned um, in the way that you want to continue to work with the players. Um, so, so they are in regular contact with you. They have their regime. They have to yeah. um, input stats back on a daily basis. Yeah, I think uh, for us, um, we we made a, a decision with the staff and the players that we we know how important routine is for everyone, but particularly professional sportsmen. And what we decided was. We got up to train at half ten uh, every morning. We got out and do that. We afforded one uh, bit of exercise um, with the government guidelines yeah. to go out there. We do double sessions, uh, which the afternoon sessions is gym work, which they can do at home. So we've got um, three double sessions in a week. We do a combined uh, seven sessions, and we give them the weekend off. But we wanted to try and make sure that we could, uh, each player can see what each other's doing, so it gets quite competitive as well. Uh, we, we can see as it's happening, who's doing what and what level, so we know that they're sticking to the work that's given to them. Um, and I know you can overcome that. I heard Paddy talking uh, uh, there about how we, it used to be 10, 11, 12 weeks, uh, close seasons, and you were just expected to deal with your own fitness. Um but I do think at the minute um, we, we have got an opportunity to keep on top of that. I think the players interacting with the supporters uh, through social media and uh, trying to sell season ticket holders and, and being in contact with our, with our supporters is, is very important at this minute. And I think until we know when we're playing football, um, uh, and hopefully it's not too long, but until we know if that's going to go beyond what we hope it is, then I think there's a lot of merit in keeping key members of the, uh, the football staff and the players interacting because as far as we'd like to believe as Dave said that um, you effectively need to go dark for two months um, yeah. if you're going to apply, uh, comply with the, the, uh, the furlough scheme and for us certain members of staff can um, like kit men and things like that there's no need for them to be they can be furloughed and, and uh, certain other members of staff but there's a lot of key staff and key workers at the club who still actively have to be engaging each other and supporters. Derek, I know right at the start of this, um, and goodness me, it's a fast-moving situation, you, you were absolutely 100% that the season had to be finished. Is that something that you still feel, and do you think it's realistic? Yeah, if I think if there's a way that this can be finished, then I still think we need to not give up on that uh, too soon. But as you know, uh, we're real realistic, that's the hope, but uh, we're all realistic enough to know that as the weeks go by, that's becoming less likely. Um, 
and there's going to be some tough decisions made that have to be made if that isn't going to be the case um, and it's not going to please everyone but uh, ultimately that decision will, will have to be made if this is going to continue um, as long as now what we expect it to. Right, I mean, would you have an alternative that would be your second choice, if you like, to completing the season? No, I think uh, I think some of the, the decisions at the top end, I mean, I think the Rangers and Celtic have been a lot closer to each other. It's, it's going to be an even tougher decision. Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, the likelihood is that Celtic would go in and win the league. So I think maybe that one, that decision, um, if we can't get the, the league finished... Uh, uh, unless you're a range supporter, might be easier to, to deal with and see a lot of common sense in that. I think Hearts still had the, the ability to, to get themselves out of trouble, but yeah. they've, obviously they've been bought in the league for a while and in around it. Um, and, I, and I don't want to see Hearts relegated. You know, I think they're a fantastic club, can offer so much to the to the league. But um, the alternative, I'm sure everybody's looking at, uh, I think there's a few things on the table. Uh, potentially, um, whether it's fourteen team league next season or whether um, we can, uh, we have to go as we normally do, with uh, uh, announcing the champions and uh, the team that's relegated. Who knows? Um, I just hope that we can. Uh, I think that the UEFA statement doesn't help. No. Try to apply pressure, um, and obviously Dave spoke about that. The, the, the self interest there is clear. Um, but I don't think any federation um, should be penalised for. What they think is fair and right for their country, including ours. Um, I know you've had your hands full in terms of trying to assess this all week long. Um, are you still getting some kind of football fix, or are you turning to box sets? Are you getting mm. some kind of relaxation over it? Um, no, just really enjoying being at home. Obviously, um, to get a chance to be in and around my family, I'm grateful for that. That, that we we can stay safe and don't have to venture out unless we really have to so I'm just grateful for the opportunity to be at home in, in this sort of situation that so many others are facing and it's, it's hardly a hardship for us you know it's um, and I say that with, with all sincerity you know you still you know the boys will look at old games and some of the old footage that's going on um, and uh, they try and keep an interest that way but we've just got a new pup a new dog so we've got two dogs now so that's keeping us busy and we're we're all fighting to take him out. He's one walk that he's allowed a day, so um, <laughs> that helps matters. But clearly, you know, nothing really um, um, fills the gap of what football does. You know, we're all, we're all missing it, but you know, it's um, it's it's minor and extreme what we're um, what we're facing. Others are facing. Absolutely, there we do appreciate your time. Stay safe um, and enjoy your time with your family. Thank you very much Thank indeed, Derek McInnes. I have to say that that puts me in mind of um, one of the many clips that are doing the rounds right now. Tam Kern, I think, has had it up on his Instagram where the dog is standing on top of the cupboard in the kitchen refusing. <laughs> beat it. I've, been out, I've already been out five times a day with different people. I'm not-